0: This week, I had the very great pleasure of catching up with the incredible Marcia Kilgore, founder of some of our most beloved brands, including Bliss, Soap and Glory, Fit Flop, and the completely revolutionary Beauty Pie, which I know we all know about. And I can't believe that we last spoke in the middle of lockdown in 2020. So I was so keen to hear what has changed. Marcia is just a beacon of innovation and she's also someone where, however big Beauty Pie gets, I now know her heart and her soul. And she's a founder that we can really look to to tell us the truth. And as you know, I, I I believe that this is what we're going to see in retail across all industries. And so Marcia's wisdom and her adaptability and her passion and her honesty and the fact she does care, she wants to take us all along for not only the journey of the business that she's building, but on her own journey as someone who's leading what is a remarkable change in an industry that was so established, the beauty industry and what it used to tell us. And I find her fascinating every time I speak to her. And I know you will too. So get your face creams out and put your cucumbers on your eyes and take a listen to the incredible Marcia. Enjoy. Enjoy.
1: Bow your head and let your eyelids close on
0: down Where we're going, you won't need to bring your frown I'm Holly Tucker and welcome to Conversations of Inspiration. Back in 2006, I founded Not on the High Street for my kitchen table and since then I've gone on to launch Holly & Co. I'm the UK Ambassador of Creative Small Businesses and I believe that having a business doing what you love is the key to a happy, fulfilled life. My dream is to help everybody start theirs. I'm here to offer advice, inspiration, wisdom, and encouragement. And in my view, the best way to do this is by sharing stories. So I've reached out to my favorite small businesses, entrepreneurs, and those who simply inspire me and ask them to share theirs. Here are my conversations of inspiration. I'm so happy to be talking to you, Marcia. Welcome back to Conversations of
1: Inspiration. Thank you very much. I'm so delighted to be here on this sunny Monday morning.
0: So yeah, Monday morning we've just spoken about the amount of caffeine and mushroom tea that we're both drinking. I caught up with you back in 2020. Now it doesn't actually feel like that long ago, but it was 2020. We were in the middle of lockdown. I think we'd done first lockdown. We didn't even know that there would be more lockdowns. And you're my second guest that I've invited back as a revisited. So I'm super happy that we're going to be talking all things beauty pie. Now I'm looking at you with all your amazing products behind you, but I saw on Instagram and it really made me laugh that you needed, you said, I need a bigger bathroom. My beauty pie products is getting out of control. And for other people that are listening to this who are all addicted to beauty pie, so do we. You've caused an issue in our bathrooms. I'm sorry. I mean, my husband like gets this and he said, Are you how have you finished the last one? I said, Oh no, no, you don't get it. I haven't finished.
1: I'm. I'm adding. I'm adding. Although there are there are a lot of things that I finish, so I actually have this little you know bin, be, the recycling bin of things that I finished, and I've been keeping it for a while just to see practically like what do I go through each month, and what you know what things I need to reorder because it's really easy if you have the empty one to remember what you have to order on your next order. Thank God that most of our packaging is fully recyclable. That's all I can say. Yes. Um, because, <laughs> because Absolutely. Because we we women. Um, who are, let's just say, who have high expectations of how we should be able to maintain ourselves and who, you know, do prioritize caring about our looks Um, and because it makes us feel confident and that's not right or wrong, it's just a choice. um, We do go through quite a lot of products.
0: Absolutely. And if you're, and also you can get slightly, I'm not going to say addicted, but, you know, absolutely. I'm a bit of a magpie for the next thing that I see coming out from Beauty Pie. And I'm like, okay, I think that's going to solve all issues. Tell me, Marcia, how have you been? How has life been treating you?
1: Oh, listen, it's been great. I like to take advantage of of everything that comes along and look at everything as a learning experience, whether it's good or bad or neutral. Um, And I love to be really busy. And Beauty Pie has kept me very busy, as has Fit Flop, which is my footwear business. Um, it's exciting. We've moved into new offices. We've added lots of people. I have a new CEO who is about to start with the business in September, which should allow me to step back a little bit and do you know, the fun stuff. I love the fun stuff. Um, not that I don't love everything else about building a business, but at a certain point, when it gets to a certain size, you really need to divide to conquer and also to make sure that quality stays high. So it has been you know, a climb as always and, um, and learning as always. And just, you know, fabulous. I cannot be more grateful for the opportunity to do what I do every day. I I know since
0: last speaking to you that um, shopping habits have really changed. Like we, you know, it it feels, doesn't it, like we're all continuously going through history at the moment. But, you know, shopping habits have really changed. The pandemic drew so many more people online than ever before. Statistics say 70% of us now prefer to buy online. Um, How have things been for Beauty Pie? Because I know that you've seen enormous growth. What I read last was that membership numbers have
1: doubled. Is that right? I mean, we consistently grow. Uh, And I think that's the most important thing. And and that shows that you've got something that people love and something that people continue to love. And that's the most important thing. So I never really compare. I mean, you'll have periods of growth during COVID. Of course, everybody went home and started shopping online. And of course, we had enormous growth compared to how big we were at the time. Yes. Um, And I I don't really look back and go, oh, we're doubled since whichever point. I just look at day to day. Are we continuing to build? Are we continuing to have new numbers come in? Are more people joining? Which means that people love it. People are Mm -hmm. um, staying with us. And also people are sending their friends, which is really the biggest indicator for me of happiness with a service or a product that people tell their friends about it and their friends come. So that makes me thrilled. Of course, we have supply chain issues like every other business did during COVID, but supply chain in cosmetics is so difficult because, you know, every cosmetic product will have like 17 parts. <laughs> you know, really? Where I mean, think about, for instance, Dr. Markey's double retinol overhaul serum. If you think about it, there's a cap, there's a carton, there's a tube there's a dip tube there are all of the ingredients that go inside it there are, like there are so many parts that can go wrong in the supply of a product and it can just be oh there's been a drought in blah 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 and they can't get this particular ingredient which is only sourced from there anymore and now they have to reformulate product X because, and then suddenly you're 12 months out of stock of something and we have wow. 400 products, right? So when you have 400 products, there's always something like this going on with like 75 of them. And so just the complication that is our supply chain is something to be reckoned with every day. And, um, it, it keeps you on your toes.
0: I mean, it absolutely keeps you on your toes. I'm interested in what you said about word of mouth there. Obviously, I talk to small businesses and founders and those wanting to launch businesses, those that have businesses for a long time. We talk about marketing. We talk about social media and the algorithm and what's happening these days and the cost. You know, just the cost of competing. And I always talk about. And I'm going to later on in this podcast talk to you about existing versus new customers and and that sort of the way you look at it. But word of mouth, I always really talk to people about the strength of that and how maybe it's the thing genuinely that if my friend told me well it's what i did with beauty pie when i went to the office i got beauty pie went to the office the office now is now converted tell me about that because you obviously have sophisticated marketing teams etc cetera, etc cetera, but word of mouth is something that maybe everyone here today can do yes what's your views on this
1: well, I think it starts with having a product that's remarkable. And I always steer everyone towards Seth Godin, who has a great Instagram channel, probably has a YouTube channel, although I never managed to get to it. But I would imagine he's very au fait with all forms of social media and it can be free. So all of his advice is free. He wrote a book called The Purple Cow a very long time ago, but it rings true today as well. And what he says in The Purple Cow, if you sort of summoned it up, is like the so what question, like, how is your particular product remarkable? And you have to start there. Before you start your business, what makes your product different? And if your product has that real point of differentiation, which can be summarized in one or two sentences, so that's your elevator pitch, but right? people and the product is good, right? Improving somebody's life better than what's out there already. Whether that is because of a benefit, a feature or a value, then people will talk about it. People will say, hey, have you heard of blah, blah, blah. It does." X, Y, and Z. And if you don't start there and your business isn't started with that kind of concept, then it'll be harder to get word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, so with Beauty Pie is a perfect example. It's like, hey, guess what? You can get luxury quality cosmetics and skincare and candles, right? but at a warehouse price. So for a quarter of the price that you'd normally pay at retail, because you're bypassing the middlemen and the distributors and all the crazy retailer markups. Is that interesting? Oh, yes, it is, because you're getting that same quality, but for much better value. It's something you could talk about at a dinner party, and that is going to help word of mouth because people will be going, I want that, right? So start there. And make sure, you know, even if you're in the middle of your business and you don't have that yet, you can always adjust to make sure that whatever it is that you're offering has some kind of purple cow, has some kind of remarkable, easily remarked upon attribute. Um, And that is where, you know, that is where you start with word of mouth. You have to make it easy for people to share whatever it is that you are building, creating, selling.
0: And I'm so I'm fascinated in the Purple Cow, brilliant example, great book, great thing for everyone to read. When you're when you started with Beauty Pie as a concept, so lots of people might think that um, you know, their point of difference is you know X, but actually, when you looked at it, yours was a huge X. It was going to take on the beauty industry, and I think some people will shy away from. You know, I was speaking to Sue Finessi, who started We Are Eight, going up against the Facebook and Instagram. Yourself going up against the huge beauty industry. Did tell me, were you fearful? Like, but genuinely, you know, when I think about people listening here, were you fearful or did you not give a shit? Um,
1: Well, there was a bit of both. Yeah, (laughs) I did think I did think at one point I was like, you know what? I'm going to have to get a bulletproof vest because once they know what I'm doing, you know, the big guys are going to come after me. I also was worried when we uh, ordered the products from our suppliers that it's a suppliers knew what I was doing because the the good suppliers of the great cosmetics and the great skincare, they supply everybody, right? So I'll be there. And then all the other luxury brands will also be there shopping. And often, especially with cosmetics, not with skincare, because with skincare, we really formulate from scratch with the best scientists and chemists. You can't really just pick up off the shelf, although a lot of brands do. But if you're an expert skincare brand, which we really are, um, there's a lot that goes into baking the right kind of cake with a skincare product Cosmetics, not quite so much um, because you just really want beautiful color payoff, beautiful texture, beautiful hold, beautiful lasting power in a beautiful container. And so many brands shop from the same sort of buffet of already Mm -hmm. finished cosmetic products and then add their particular color or stamp their brand on it. Um, And I had to buy the inventory in advance uh, because I thought if they know what I'm doing, they won't sell anything to me. So I'm going to have to buy. And this was like hundreds of thousands of units of these products because I want to launch and prove that we're going to be a good customer for these labs. Right. And then they will resupply us. But if they know what I'm doing, they might not supply me in the first place. So there was a big... I have to leap off a cliff here and hope that this works out and that people are as interested in buying products for really great prices as I would be. And the rest <laughs> is history. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Now they ask the other people to get in, in line yeah. because Marcia is <laughs> walking in. Tell me about the physical, you know, the physical nature of our brands versus our online and the future. And I'm going to talk to you about the future in a moment. But tell me about these physical pop-up spaces that you opened and what the reality Action was like?
1: Oh, you know, we had a pop-up in London last year. Uh, I think it was end of June, beginning of July. Um, somebody on our marketing team just said, you know what, we've got to do a pop-up. And for some reason, we all got very carried away with it. We shouldn't have because, frankly, it put back our software replatforming project by about nine months. <laughs> oh, so, God. I mean, it was st- actually, if you look back at it, it was stupid, but it was the greatest thing ever because we... <laughs> It was so much fun, um, but the entire team in the business, whether it was engineering or marketing or like anybody, suddenly was refocused on this pop-up shop. It took, you know, 60 people, full-time job, just to get it to link into the terrible software that we had and to set it up and to staff it and to be going back and forth, you know, filling filling the shelves in the back. Yes. Um, there were lines around the block. Of course, also... So many of our our members, right, wanted to come and meet us and try everything in person and, you know, try the products that they hadn't bought already. Because it is always nice to kind of touch and feel and smell, especially with candles and fragrance and all of that. Because we don't do a lot of sampling um, simply because sampling adds to the eventual cost of the product, right? And our whole thing is like, let's keep the costs down. So you start doing all the things that everybody else does and the costs just go up and up and up. Um, but we did this fabulous pop up shop in Covent Garden. Um, and it was, I, I literally thought, oh no, oh no nobody's going to come. I mean, we, had, <laughs> we, been, we, I don't know why. I was in a taxi on the way there and thinking, oh my God, what if nobody comes? You know, if you're having a party yeah. and you think, what if nobody shows up? And I, I actually got out of the taxi and started walking towards where the shop was having been there the day before just to make sure that it was all set up and there was a line down the block of members of course um because all of our members wanted to come and see us it was so nice and it was so fun it was like a 10-day party where all of the beauty pie members just showed up and there were lines but we had umbrellas we had sunscreen that we gave everybody while they were waiting because it was very sunny we fed people cookies And they waited in line and we tried to entertain everyone. And it was a party. It was like a celebration of a bunch of people of the same mindset. Um, We had 75-year-old New Yorkers who happened to have been transported to London and were members. We had 22-year-old guys who looked like they might be professional basketball players who were in. We had... Uh, you know, rock and rollers who were trying on the mascara. We had, it was everybody. And that's what I really loved about it. Being able to see really, you can't tell by somebody's Instagram account or by their Facebook address who they are. Right. But having people come in and seeing, wow, we are everyone. We are everyone. We had like the kids who were coming in with their moms And then we had the mums of the mums and everybody in between. And that was amazing. And that's
0: when you know you've hit something where you're cross-generational and it's about a common truth rather than anything else. And I can imagine as a founder, so how lovely to hear that you got the EBGBs like all of us would, even though probably you could say... Maybe someone's going to arrive. But then you see, you know, that queue around the block. Now, I'm assuming also with your pop up, there was interest from uh, new customers walking past going, what's
1: beauty pie? (laughs) Well, they couldn't really get in. So
0: So it wasn't, yes, it wasn't necessarily a new customer um, welcoming committee. This was members are just like.
1: (laughs) They were so diehard. I think some people did convince their friends to come with them. Uh, So you would see like one out of 10 people would be dragging a friend along with them. Um, But there were so many members there. I don't think we had many new because new people would walk by and go, "Okay, there's a line at the door around the block. It's like a two hour wait. I'm not waiting because they didn't know what the benefit was to waiting. Um, So it was more it was more a party for our members.
0: Each week I'm joined by our wonderful partners at Dell Technologies. We all know that the scaling journey isn't for the faint-hearted. So Dell Technologies have launched a free resource... Dell for Startups, providing you with free solutions and a dedicated tech advisor for all your startup needs. They so believe in shining a light and supporting brilliant small businesses that this week they're giving away their advert to a brilliant founder to share their story. Hello and welcome to Molden and Wild. I'm Sue and I am a florist that specializes in silk flowers. Now, I haven't always been a florist. For many years, I worked in a large secondary school, a job I absolutely loved. Now, I relish a challenge, but worry over cuts and long hours and high pressure started to take its toll. And when I had a panic attack and I don't do panic attacks, I finally realized it was time to make changes. So I took early retirement, and after lots of learning and mistakes and more learning, I launched Malden and Wild silk floral design, something I'm incredibly proud of. I choose the best, most realistic flowers to bring romance and beauty into your life every single day. I absolutely love what I do and feel incredibly lucky to have found my niche, just sharing the joy with you. To find out more about startup scale up, head over to Dell.com forward slash UK startups. Now, back to our conversation of inspiration. Obviously, you're seeing amazing growth, which would then say that you've got new people coming along. When you look at new versus existing, you're a, I, I don't like the term necessarily, but a serial entrepreneur. You've had many businesses. Do you have a viewpoint on this? Because I, I again, would say from my own experience, it's one of the most interesting areas and one that can be
1: overlooked for greed of growth. Oh versus, my God, are you kidding? Existing customers are everything. I yeah. mean, if you can't remember that a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, on a digital business, a bird in the hand is worth like 10 in the bush. Um, it's so much more important to to service your current customers than to go out looking for new ones. It has to be a balance of of each. And we are absolutely, we have probably 65% of the focus in our business is about how do we thrill and delight our current customers. And that's why we have new products that come all, you know, constant new product launches, keep it fresh, keep it fun. We make sure that we bring in experts, whether that's Dr. Markey, who is our in-house consultant dermatologist, um, well, he's sort, I mean, he's just really a friend of the business, but and he's formulated a few very special products for us, but he is an expert that everybody gets to tap into because he does lives for us and really incredible education for everyone. We've got some fantastic makeup artists that we do collaborations with. We have an in-house nutritionist, so she shares all of her knowledge. Um it's, I think, so important to be able to offer. Our customers really uh, neutral knowledge, right, and education that isn't. We're not trying to sell you something because we can make a lot of money on it, right? Our markup from uh, when something leaves the factory to when it gets to our warehouse is so slim compared to something at retail um, that we're just trying to get people products that are going to change their lives. Um, we only sell what we would buy ourselves. We only make what we would buy ourselves. And it is about being in that customer shoes for us and making sure that we ourselves would remain members. And, and we know that the value of what we offer for that membership money is eclipsed several times over by either the savings or the perks or the benefits. And so much of our focus is spent on that because we know that that itself will bring new members in. And then, of course, we have a part of the business that focuses on how do we uh, how do we position ourselves? How do we go out there and make ourselves known to new potential customers? Because for us, getting bigger is actually a benefit for All of us and all of our members, because we can not only add more product, we can have better negotiating power with our factories. We will move up the priority chain in terms of ordering packaging so we can get things faster. If we're ordering, you know, 300,000 of an eyeshadow package split between however many colors, we're very important to the eyeshadow package manufacturer and we can get that eyeshadow packaging faster. Whereas if we're only ordering 10,000, we're at the bottom of the line and we'll keep getting bumped. So there are all of these things that come with scale that benefit not only us as a business, but also then get passed down to all of our members as sort of, you know, co, we can't call them co-owners of the business, but, you know, they are really involved in, in how the whole thing runs and works. And, and we, we, try to communicate that as best we can without being too complicated, without burdening people. And then also sometimes without offering so much information that then they want even more and we actually don't have time to, (laughs) you know. Yes. Yes. They
0: become hungry.
1: (laughs) Yes. And you can't communicate every single thing because you're actually just trying to get the eyeshadow back
0: in the door. I'm sure everyone that's just heard you speaking feel the same as myself and it's why, you know, founders really are, and such as yourself, Lydia, I know you've got a CEO coming in, but you know, you're 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 the figurehead, you're the founder, is that you just told us about your supply chain. You've, you know, lifted the curtain of this industry that notoriously is so secret because basically they're having us over and you are actually just saying, the more together I can get the product quicker, let's work together on this. And again, it's another demonstration of the power of A, a founder, B, transparency, the fact that you're talking about the customer that you have. And the difference, I think, a lot of people think, "Oh, I've I've got to get more. I've got to get more." And and they're on this growth acquisition growth sort of strategy,
1: forgetting that actually people drop out. You're not getting more, and that is like bailing out a sinking ship. And that I cannot get out of bed in the morning for. I can get out of bed in the morning to thrill my existing customers right i know that more people are going to hear about it because existing customers are so happy they're bringing everybody else when i was looking at statistics of certain direct to consumer businesses and how many people they retained as customers every year and it was often like 13% and i thought wow. how can you get out of bed in the morning if only 13% of your customers are coming back to you? Like, I mean, you are yes. so obviously doing something terribly wrong. If I had to get up every morning and do what I do for hopefully 87% new customers, like, I can't do that. Exhausting as well. Exhausting. I mean. And I just want to, it's so much, so much more inspiring to, deliver something to all the people who are already there and yeah. and make them happy than to be going out there, you know, fighting to try and find somebody who isn't necessarily interested in you.
0: Yes, exactly. Actually, it's not a great person to keep anyway, let alone build your company around. I mean, yeah. I, I find it, I, I really hope everyone's found that uh, interesting and helpful because it's something that's often overlooked and it really can be um, a silver bullet in your business even though we don't believe in them it it really is a good one to concentrate on. Um, so we've been through the pandemic and now we're living in a time of high inflation and the cost of living crisis but I know beauty is one of those areas of retail that can really weather this storm, you know, the lipstick effect, as it's known in cosmetic sales, increasing during tough times. It all comes from, you know, someone likes a good red lipstick, you're feeling, you know, life is tough, but if I put on the red lipstick, it gives me that sense that I can get through the day. So as someone who's been in the industry for decades, have you seen and felt the shift? And are people more mindful, not just about how much they're spending, but about where they're spending their money?
1: You know, it really depends customer to customer. Certainly long-term, like great value is always going to win if you're delivering something that is a great value that people know, you know, can't really be topped for what they've paid for it, that always wins no matter what. It shows in business models like in America, there's something called Costco, uh, where people go and shop for sort of bulk groceries, but then they also sell diamonds, they sell boats, they sell all kinds of I know all kinds of categories, but it is one of these businesses that just continues to thrive because people love great value and don't want to sacrifice quality. And it's true exactly what you said about the lipstick effect, right? It's an affordable luxury. So someone may not be buying a new car but they will feel like, you know what, I can get myself this moisturizer and I will feel like a human being. And people are certainly, but I think always are sensitive to price increases and are watching every penny and prices have gone up so drastically everywhere, right? Across the board. And that has been tough for some people. We're in a lucky position that at least like if something goes up 20%, it's only 20% of of 25% rather than 20% of 100% is still a lot less. So we're in a really great position for that. But of course, everyone has a different budget. So it's really hard to speak generally about how it's affected different consumers.
0: I read something you said you're doubling down on the quality in a time of inflation, you know, that actually the quality is what will always win. It's a little bit like. Recessions, pandemic, those that didn't have the values or were doing something of less quality or were never concentrating on quality, they were just concentrating on margin with you, quality will win over time. Yeah. Yes. Whatever the economic situation, it really, really will. And and again, it's where we see other companies cutting corners and it will not pay long term, you know. No. It just doesn't, and it doesn't for the brand. Um, tell me, we know a new generation of very knowledgeable customers are out there, um, and we're cracking down um, fantastically on greenwashing. Customers are more savvy; they're demanding transparency. They've got integrity, so you know, it's a world that's now holding brands accountable. Um, Might you tell me more about this report that I read that you commissioned that explores exactly this in the beauty
1: industry called Question Everything Economy? Mm, Yes. So our consumers are armed with a lot of information, but also a lot of misinformation. And it can be, in fact, quite time-consuming for a brand to try to correct some of the dialogue that goes on, especially on community pages and on social media. It's great that customers are asking questions about where the products come from, also asking questions about pricing. How did this end up being so expensive versus this when it is practically the same thing. Um, At the same time, what we see is because of, it could be algorithms, it could be forces that are there for reasons that we don't know. You do have also a lot of people who are, misinformed about certain things. And I was, in fact, listening to a podcast about palm oil. There's a very interesting um, new business, I think it's called C18 Biotechnologies or C16 or something like that, who's trying to create a new type of palm oil. And there's palm oil, for instance, in almost half of the products that are on a supermarket shelf and in a lot of cosmetic products. And also palm oil is used to manufacture a lot of cosmetic ingredients, even though it doesn't end up in the final ingredient. It's part of the processing of that ingredient. So trying to track down, right, has palm oil been in your product at any stage in the supply chain is almost impossible. We'll also have some companies who will say, oh, we use only sustainable palm oil. Um, And it's so deep to go into this and into each one that you will have consumers who will Sort of call you out or call companies out for X, Y, or Z, but they actually don't know the real story. Um, and it does put companies on the defense, and companies spend a lot of time defending themselves uh, over their choices, which are usually much more complex than they appear on the surface. It's going to be interesting to watch how this develops because it is interesting to see how the narrative of Transparency and the demand for green options and solutions are coming to the forefront. However, it all shifts when the economy shifts. So we talk how, you know, two years ago, everything was about being green right and being ecologically conscious then you have a war and everything is about the cost of living crisis and no one is talking about being green Um, at beauty pie we actually worked on this really beautiful little refillable lipstick container which you pop the lipstick out when you're finished with it and you can put a new one in and so you don't throw out the case you just throw out the bullet my son will say you're greenwashing mom and I'm like, no, we're just, doing, we're just doing the best we can with the options that we have available. Otherwise, we wouldn't produce a lipstick at all. And people would just go and buy a lipstick that is fully thrown away. So there aren't solutions that are perfect. And you try to do everything that you possibly can. It's quite incredible.
0: And I think that, you know, you just giving that lipstick analogy where what would you rather us do? Nothing you'd rather do nothing because what you're doing actually is then putting us if we're then having to spend so long in now dealing with your comment of greenwashing um, and I'm putting that energy and time and resource and money in order to correspond with you about the fact that what would you know the conversation we're having today all people need to maybe just take a breath Just listen. (laughs) And rather listen than listen to speak, actually listen to learn, just take a beat on things. We can't be perfect. We're in this unbelievable transition period. We've got where we were to where we want to be. Who can even begin to tell us that it should be overnight? But do they want to put us off trying? You know, and I I think that there is a real dose of tolerance that needs to be in all of us, actually. Couldn't agree with you more.
1: I read something that said that telling someone off on social media for instance right there's an endorphin rush that comes with it or a dopamine hit that comes with shaming someone else on social media so unfortunately right, right when we talk about the ills of it's, it's addictive, addictive it makes you feel then. better superior whatever it is so people will just kind of do it if they're feeling maybe down about themselves they might resort to I'm going to tell somebody off because you're you're uh, anonymous, relatively there, um, and I think that we, on the receiving end of it, have to be a little bit tougher and just like not. <laughs> we yeah. have we have these debates Absolutely. all the time. Um, with my team and I say you know what this is our community page for instance and we will have people who come in and are very rude about our efforts and and sometimes I just say guys this is our house would you let someone come into your house and speak to you like that no you would show them the front door so as people who are trying to make a difference we need to be able to stand up for ourselves more if that's how you're going to be you got to be kind of tough about it
0: and i'm so glad you said that and also why your report is brilliant because actually by creating that report you're actually having facts that can't be disputed um but also as you said at the end of the day if you're really really trying hard within your business to do the right thing genuinely hand on heart and that's actually what your whole company and lots of different guises is trying to do then there should be some rules that we respect. Yes. So we've just spoken about customers who have values, their integrity, they're looking to vote with their money. Tell me about how you think this will impact the way that all of us shop in the future, because ultimately this is about empowering customers and how and where they spend their money. But it's also, as you said, uniting a community where they have an alignment, I I suppose, isn't it? Do Do you see the community being a huge part
1: of consumption in the future. Absolutely, Holly. I think it's so important to have you you said the phrase like-minded individuals, and that's exactly what we found at Beauty Pie. Um, It's not about age. It's not about uh, demographic. uh, It's not about race. It's everybody who likes to shop with a certain value system. And I think that will be the same for any business that's trying to change the world or change the game for the consumer or change how they offer product to market, what that packaging looks like, how eco-conscious it is, um, how eco-conscious their supply chain is. Of course, you know, very different from something like a, a fast fashion chain. Right? Who isn't thinking about it? And those people will maybe prioritize not paying much over um, paying a little bit more and having quality. Um, And you will see consumers coming together. Now, what the impetus for that will be remains to be seen, right? Because these movements are kind of like waves and people then kind of wave into different categories. Um, And of course, if it is about fear, right? So if we see, we see the world burning, right? We see forest fires happening more often. Mm. We see floods happening more often. If people start to prioritize fear as their motivator and buying higher quality and buying less, then that's what you'll see. If people are prioritizing the economy and perhaps that they just don't have enough to spend, then they prioritize that. And it's unfortunate that as human beings, we kind of see what's right in front of us and we react very quickly and things shift on reaction. What we need to be able to do is actually step back and not react and look a little bit more long term. And I do think that that's happening. I think the next generation of consumers has been brought up thinking about some of these things and will hopefully be more mindful. Consumers will have different priorities, will have values where they are thinking about the earth just more naturally. Although I will say Mm. I'm still the person who goes out into my house at night, turns all the lights off and moves things from the garbage into the recycling container. And that is not my teenage son who is lectured about it all day at school. So I hope, <laughs> I hope that in other households, eventually that will kick in, and and the concerns will trickle down to all forms of um, all forms of life.
0: We've just spoken about how we might unite, and that's to be seen. But specifically, what do you think the future of the beauty world looks like? Thinking back to only a few years ago, when you could only buy a lipstick, really, and a face cream from a department
1: store. You know, what does the new, the next decade hold? Well, I think certainly more about retail coming to life online. Um, it is just such a, a much easier way to talk directly to your end customer. That's one of the things I really love about beauty pie. There's no retailer in the middle, you can know who she is. She can ask you questions. We can give her product recommendations. We're just so set up to be able to give somebody a perfect product routine um, for themselves individually, rather than us having to train. And, you know, algorithms can do that. We can do that with also built in artificial intelligence where we can ask somebody 50 questions about their skin and then get them the perfect, perfect skincare routine. That's really going to make a difference. And that, Being very individual and unique is super exciting to me because, you know, there are so many products that we've got. They've got all different active ingredient profiles. Someone's skin is going to be very specific to them. So, you know, it used to be, oh, do you have dry skin Mm. or do you have sensitive skin? well, Well, I have dry skin. It's a little bit sensitive here. I also have large pores here. I tend to break out with this. I've got an allergy to this. You know, there's you know, I've got this kind of preference. I live half the year here, half the year there. I'm on airplanes how many times? This is all very specific, right? We're not leading those kinds of lives um, that are, I'm sensitive or I'm oily. It is not that anymore. And it requires a level of customization that really only digitalization can bring. Um, So we're really excited about that and being able to plug everything that we know into a system that can give people the very, very best and most, unique and customized advice to them however many times a year that they want it because you may need different skincare mm. in the winter that you do in the spring and the summer and the autumn and we can change that for you and that never would have been the case before right
0: and that's ai right that's our, that's using ai because of course How else could you do that? And that's actually, you know, we're going to go on this journey with certainly small businesses, founders that might find it scary, et cetera, et cetera. But this is is the benefit that what Marcia has just said there, you know, how if you have 20 things about your skin, maybe that change three times in the year, how are you going to deliver a personalized menu for that person
1: without using it? And these are, this is the opportunity. and if you don't think that other companies are going to do it. You are, you have your head in the sand, right? And the worst thing is to have your head in the sand. It's debilitating. So, you know, with AI, nobody even knows what it means at the moment, right? What is it going to do? But it is an assistant. So you can use it as a research assistant. You can use it as an algorithm. You can use it to get very specific mass. Um, So you've got to start Immersing yourself, and even if if you're a small business or if you're scared of it or if you think oh, I don't have the budget for that, whatever it is, just start watching AI videos on YouTube. It's free. At least you know what you're talking about. You'll feel comfortable with it. It's kind of like you know French. Um, it is a different language. Nobody is an expert at it yet. You can't go hire an AI expert because there aren't any. Because well, if there are any, they're all working for AI companies, and you know. But learn it. Just watch a video so you at least know what it Absolutely. is. Absolutely.
0: And and it's an it assistant. Is. I remember John. Johnny Bowden who's my only other revisited um, guest and you know he said he didn't think the internet was going to kick off right that's his uh you know thing so he actually laughs that you know it's a bit like AI you know it's this thing of going you know do not have your head in the sand and it is actually not scary if you actually think that you're the boss of it um you're the one that's telling it what to do but it could absolutely help you. Each week, I hand over this moment to our partners at Avon. Over the past few months, I've been working closely with Avon reps, supporting them on their personal and business journeys. I'm constantly amazed by not only Avon's work and impact, but the resilience, grit and determination of each and every single Avon rep that I'm lucky enough to speak to day in and day out. They really are an amazing group of women, and it's truly humbling to be part of their individual journeys. So with that in mind, for the rest of this series, I'll be handing over this ad break to some of them to share their own unique stories with you. Hi, my name is Kirsty Turner, and I joined Avon in May 2020 in the midst of the pandemic. This was as a result of losing my existing job, but I've never looked back. Having been a wife, a mother and a dog mum for 30 years, I decided it was time for me. I have found the old Kirsty. I knew she was still in there somewhere. And I've also made lots of new friends in fellow reps. And another plus is I feel a part of the local community like never before. Everywhere I go, people are calling out, hi, or where's my new brochure? I can quite honestly say at the age of 52 years young, I have a new love for life and I'm more excited about my future than I've ever been before. This is all thanks to Avon and the opportunities it constantly gives me. Thank you. If you'd like to find out more about our partnership or how you too could go on your own business adventure as an Avon rep, head over to holly.co forward slash Avon. Marcy, I want to talk about feminism and I really want to chat about ageing and the sort of taboo of ageing and rise of feminism uh, encouraging us obviously to accept our genders, our bodies, our sexuality, our preferences but we don't often hear a lot about ageing and and if we do, it's from the negative, the news headlines, she's got a wrinkle or whatever it is that we we see in a certain tabloid. And I read that the anti-ageing industry was valued at over $62 billion in 2022 so we're obsessed with anti-aging full stop as women i think we've been hardwired to always trying to look our best fight the wrinkles fight the crow's feet
1: Are we wrong to care so much? I read a lot, you know, on social media and in newspapers and other articles and blogs just about, you know, this rage against the anti-aging concept. And I'd just like to say that I myself am aging and I'm okay with aging. I actually find myself, I have so much more perspective. I enjoy people more. I I see patterns developing and I can recognize them. I know how to deal with situations so much better. It doesn't necessarily mean that I don't want my skin to look as good as it can. I mean, one is not, um, is not opposed to the other. Um, aging mm. just means getting older, but it doesn't mean that you have to feel or look. You don't have to give up right? So I still want to be able to do a yoga class when I'm 85. That means I'm going to do yoga regularly so that my body is in that kind of shape so that I feel and function as well as I did when I was 30, right? Or I'm going to try because that is going to give me a better quality of life. Similarly, Mm -hmm. do I want to use skincare products that make my skin look great? I do, because I have to look in the mirror every morning. And if I can look as good as I can, I'm not going to get completely paranoid about it. And, you know, there are extremes where people go to real extremes. Right. And usually that's... As we know. Yeah. And that is usually like surgical and that's a choice. Mm -hmm. And if somebody feels good doing that, then that's their prerogative. But I do certainly want if you know if I can put three creams on my face every night and have really great glowy skin that looks 15 years younger than I am what's wrong with that but if I don't want yeah. to and that's not my priority then that's fine too it's really up to the individual I don't think we should feel a pressure that doesn't um doesn't align with our individual values and priorities but who is anyone to tell anyone else what their priorities might be in terms of what makes them feel better um so I, it's yeah. it's it's really a balance isn't it it's like I love putting a, cosmetics on and I love using retinol and I love trying out new things and the act of just grooming is something that's so ingrained in us as human beings um and this is sort of the new way to groom is to take care of yourself and Of course, you know, with beauty power, we try to make it super affordable. So it's also not breaking the bank. We're not telling you, oh, buy this $1,000 thing and you'll be worth it. Um, But it's Mm -hmm. just about fun and and taking that moment and taking the care. It's about prioritizing that you're caring for yourself. And I think that that is important, whatever way you want to do it.
0: I I think you're right. They're they're not mutually exclusive, are they? These, These two things does not mean that you're trying not to age on your face because you've got some fear of it, it's actually because you just want to look your best. Yeah. And that's actually also okay. And I think there's another way of thinking if if, if now being 60 is the new 40, yes. you know, and it is, you know, I, I I looked at, I went to my parents and I looked at some old photographs yeah. and I looked at my mother's, um mother and her grandmother. I mean, they were like 90 when they were 40. It was was actually insane to look at. I couldn't. And it's that whole thing, isn't it, that the golden girls on TV are the same age as Sex in the City. You know, that that they're the same actual age. And yet the golden girls picture is four or five what classical granny sort of feet looking women versus Harry Bradshaw. Bradshaw and <laughs> quite different. So you and choose, I think that you if can we can choose
1: one or you can choose the other. And this one is not right or wrong. It's like whatever is good for you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And if we're
0: all also much more in tune with how long we live, wellness, we're, we're relatively lucky to majority of us are not in war or in crisis or, uh, you know, as co- of course, we've got cost of living and it's all in context, what I'm saying here. The point is, is that actually, if we're going to be this new take on being sixty, then that's just because we want to live life more. Yeah. We love yes. life. We want to be doing yoga at eighty-five. We want to have glowing skin. We want to. It's not because we're being maybe pressurized by a an industry. It's actually just the way I want to look at my face in the morning and yeah. and appear to the world. Yes, like so. I think there's also an, another side of this, isn't it? Well,
1: it's self empowerment too, isn't it? You can look at it as oh, the industry is telling you you need to. But it's like no, actually, I just want to, I want to appear current. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) I know exactly what you mean. You know, if you look at pictures of your grandparents when they were forty or forty-five, they look like seventy-five-year-olds or eighty-year-olds or ninety-year-olds. Now we would not look that way. And it is uh, look at technology, and that is technology that has allowed us to stay younger longer it is stimulation of the brain it is being in connection with other people it is access to moving our body yeah, moving our body knowing how to move our body knowing how to take care of ourselves in terms of exercise and diet so much more important having I mean if you think about when I was growing up even in like the 80s right or the you know early 90 s and was sort of a teenager, I had maybe three products that I could name that were cosmetics products to choose from. Was there anything in those that did anything as an anti? No, right? There was no active ingredients in a product anywhere. So that, that whole industry wasn't even available to our parents or grandparents. So you couldn't buy retinol. And probably if you went to a dermatologist, if they'd give you retinol, it was probably because uh you had skin cancer or right pre pre pre-cancerous lesions on your skin that they were trying to prevent a skin cancer but it was really just medical and so being able to access some of this stuff that is better right has totally changed the game for us and is that bad yeah like no one would say that being able to have a mobile phone is bad Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah,
0: absolutely. I think there is that. Yeah, absolutely. It's Within context, but we should, as you said, self empowerment. Um, talking of women and changes we've seen in society, we're all come quite a long way since the early 80s we just spoke about the 80s there when US, uh, US journalist Helen Gurley Brown coined the phrase having it all um, and I think initially it was women uh, reassuring themselves and others that you really can have you know a family and a career all at the same time everything is available to us uh, what's your viewpoint on that and do you really believe that women can have it all?
1: And can actually anyone have it all? I'm very surprised that people even think about having it all anymore, right? Because it is so huge, it's become kind of a passé concept of even trying to have it all, right? Just excelling or even being moderately good at one or two things is so time-consuming given everything that we have to respond to in terms of what's incoming for any individual on any given day that um, it, it almost seems outdated to think, oh, we can have it all, right?
0: You know, yeah I I yes right Marcia's told us scrap ban that. the phrase I'm <laughs> ban the phrase when we last spoke we talked a little bit about the lessons that we as female founders had both learned along the way in business which of those lessons each of us has sort of carried forward into our next business now you've had many businesses uh one of the things you mentioned was to follow your gut and to trust your instincts which I completely agree with and I'm wondering what your thoughts might be as a woman who's now built many successful businesses on the common behaviors you might see in other females both positive and negative other things that you find as a common denominator around
1: female entrepreneurship I think there are a lot of people who reach out to me and, and they are looking for someone to tell them what to do and mm. I find that very interesting because you can actually go look up online what to do uh, you can type any question into the internet and find the answer, and you yourself will know more about your unique situation and be able to describe that to, you know, Google or Chat GPT um, better than anyone can. So your ability to research your answer online now is so much greater than anyone who you're going to ask for advice. So I very often go back and say to someone who'll say, well, what should I do? I'll say, well, go read these 20 books and then come back to me if you don't have the answer yet. All of the unique inputs into the question, right, are so integral to finding the right answer that the only person really who can find the right answer for you is you Um, and following basic preset rules or principles that other people may be able to provide, but those are available online. So I think a lot of times we're looking for a hero, a savior, a rescuer, someone who can absolve us of the responsibility of making a choice ourselves that we default Mm -hmm. to. Well, this person will tell me what to do. And it's impossible to provide really great advice in a short period of time to what is always a complex question. You're much better off researching it yourself. Um, and, and coming up with your own answer because you will know in your gut what that answer is. But you have to put the time in. There's nothing nothing that will um, take the place of putting that time in. There's no shortcuts. No shortcuts. Still no, short still no shortcuts. There is a little bit of chat GPT, which can kind of give you a summary. <laughs> But you still... Yeah, th- there's that yeah. now. That's that's the little
0: difference there. Yeah. But, you know, when you look at all your businesses, Marcia, is that what you would say that your actual, your unique businesses, as much as you could have heard advice from people that you respected, it, they're, they're complex conditions of just your business. And so actually you know, this notion, I understand what you're saying, people come almost for permission or almost for resolve or, you know, please just tell me what to do because I'm too scared to make that choice or that decision. And as you said, their gut is probably screaming it out already. But would you say that that was exactly the case in every single one of your businesses?
1: That I was sort of too scared to go
0: forward? Yeah, that, that, or, or that you knew what the answers were, you know, even when you were looking for maybe advice and things like that, but actually deep down, you know, ultimately, they couldn't necessarily help you. They could be a sounding board, but your
1: gut is really what you've relied on through your experiences. Yeah, nobody knows your business like you do. Now, you also then have to challenge your sacred counts, right? So you'll believe something about your business just because you believe it and you've always believed it. And sometimes those can be leading you in a situation that isn't efficient or leading you in a direction that isn't efficient, excuse me. Um, so you always have to question yourself, but you will in your gut have more information to connect your own dots than anybody else will. And those pieces of information aren't always something that you verbalize, aren't always something on a business plan. They could be kind of a vibe that you're getting this zeitgeisty vibe, and you can't put that down in words, but you know it. Um, and so I generally, I mean, I'm pretty quick to leap into businesses and just start them. I don't necessarily have that fear. I have more of a fear of, oh, what if I don't do this? Then what if I do do it? So, um, you know, there's always, I'm a little bit different than the average individual. Um, but I do think that you are right in saying that people are looking for someone else to kind of take the uh, responsibility of the load of making that decision. And in the end, you know, your decision, you're the one who has to live with it. And it isn't as scary once you've made a decision, knowing that whatever you get yourself into, as the Jamaicans will apparently say, they're not problems, they're situations. So you don't have problems. Oh, I love You don't this. have a problem. You have a situation. And then when you get into a situation, you just have to figure out how to get out of that particular situation. Um, And situations will always come up. Um, and, And people will be able to help you solve them if you can't solve them yourself. But you have to do the very best you can with the information that you have available at the time. And make sure you do your research and and research sort of the naysayers. And if you still come out with a, a very particular direction and do all of those tests, like we were talking about at the beginning, you know, the so what test or the purple cow test or what is so remarkable and be brutally honest with yourself there. Always be brutally honest about your situation. And then that is another point of light that helps you to resolve that situation as you go along.
0: Amazing. Now, listen, we we are running out of time. We've heard your letter to younger self. So we're, we're not going to ask you that today. But I did want to ask you two things to end off this okay. podcast, which was, what are the things happening in the world of business
1: now that worry you? Okay, that's a really great question. Um, number one, I think um, there is a lack of people returning to the office. And for younger people, who normally would make their connections at the office, have friendships that were built through coming into the office, very often lifelong friendships, and support networks and systems that are built by meeting people in an office. Um, I worry about those very loose ties um, that, that they are creating where they don't actually have the support of the people around them as solidly because they're just not spending human time together. that worries me quite a lot. Um, It's not not as hard for people who have worked for a long time, might be a little bit older, already have their friends and those built-in networks um, from having been in offices for so long. But right now, you see a lot of younger executives who work from home quite a lot, and I worry for them because there's nothing like being in person and being in person kind of regularly. it's like, it's like teamwork, right? And, you know, that's why a basketball team practices together because they're much better when they're in the gym together. You can't learn to pass a ball by Zoom. Um, So I worry about that just sort of as a trend. Also for, again, that younger generation, just trying to find roles um, with the advent of Artificial intelligence is going to be much more difficult for young people who were writers or, you know, doing some of that, what we would call grunt work, right? Research assistant kind of stuff. A lot of that will be taken over. And a lot of those roles were training grounds for the next roles up. So when you think about um, the executives that you want to train to have Those thought processes of problem solving and organization and, um, you know, creating plans that are across networks in organizations. You need those people, but how will they get their training when they're not actually doing it? how you know everybody who came up through the system usually came up by doing certain things and a lot of those the
0: marigolds yeah, yeah you, you you did the you did the work you know if you worked in magazines you worked in classified department first and you sold the little ads or you did the if you were an editorial you did the small little articles before you progress yeah on the other
1: side what are you excited about um i'm excited about the same thing from an AI perspective, being able to understand so much more about who your customer is on a very unique and individual level and being able to service her better. Um, I think there's never been a time that we've been able to really make a difference in people's lives so efficiently and to so many people just because of the opportunities that are coming up that way. Um, and I'm... I, like super excited just about the interface, like digital has been able to give us such a unique interface with so many more people, where you have all of these friends out there who you can talk to as if you're having a you know a dinner party. You may not be able to see their faces too, but just to have that, you, that connection with people, you literally and I know you do a lot of lives also um, online, but you miss people.
0: Oh, I love your lives. Anyone always <laughs> look into Marcia's lives from her bathroom. They're the best. I
1: just, I absolutely adore them. When I don't have time to do them, I literally miss the people. Right? Because so do yeah, I. Yes, they're, they're yeah. there, and you get to say hi, and you're wondering what they're doing. And sometimes I wish I didn't have to talk about cosmetics or the latest launch. I just want to see what's up with <laughs> with everybody else. But know, you know, um, just have a cup yeah, of tea with them. Yeah, have you know, have a glass of wine at the end of a Friday but um, that is really nice too I think we're disconnected but we can also stay connected so I'm, I'm excited about that
0: and just lastly
1: what Marcia would you say you now know for sure That that everything, that I will adjust and I will cope and everyone has that coping mechanism that will allow them to see their way through all of these incoming situations and humans are stronger and more powerful and we're still the boss. We're still the boss. We're still the boss, Marcia.
0: You are you are the boss woman for all of us. I it, it's a, such a pleasure to talk to you. Your your entire DNA of your business and yourself is really inspiring for all of us. And I just I can't thank you enough because you're you're building a brand that's doing it differently, and you're so vulnerable and open at the same time. And even though your business has gone to the moon, um you've spent your time today to help all of us. And if we're not already, you know, subscribers of Beauty Pie, which I'm sure so many of us are, but if you're not, this is where word of mouth is, everyone. You've heard it here. (laughs) Go and check it out. But Marcia, bless
1: you, bless you for being the gorgeous human that you are. Thank you, Holly. I think you are also a gorgeous human. So birds of a feather here. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks for
0: having me. If you've enjoyed this episode, if it's helped you along your journey or inspired you, would you mind rating and reviewing? Your support means the world to me. It really does spread the word and will help inspire even more people to build a life they love. And if you want to hear all our latest news, you can sign up to my weekly newsletter, Holly's Desk Notes, over at holly.co.